Since 1961, Quartz Plumbing has offered friendly, reliable service to residences all over Bergen County, New Jersey. We are a fourth-generation family-owned business, unmatched in customer satisfaction and professionalism while working in your home. We are the hydronic heating and water filtration specialists with a workmanship guarantee to put you at ease so you can rest comfortably. We offer financing for those big projects that catch you off guard, and we have a network of excellent contractors in all fields for any project you wish to tackle. Call our responsive office team, and we'll dispatch a handsome and educated technician to lay the smack down on all your plumbing issues. You can also find us at quartzplumbing.com, search us on Google, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share, please. Welcome to Plum Bums Podcast, the blue collar tradesman show where we talk about small business and entrepreneurship in this crazy world. As with me as always is my trusty sidekick, Matt. Yeah. You need, you need a, I think you need a nickname. I think you need a sidekick nickname. The nuisance. <laughs> Perfect. Done. As always with me is the nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are on episode 16. I think if you guys were following us from last week, we had uh, we went down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we talked with GoBigSmallBiz.com, that awesome organization. Really, really interesting. If you guys have not watched that episode, definitely go back and check it out. We had great conversations with those people. They are in, they're in the trenches, those guys. Um, but uh, we're just trudging along here, episode 16. Uh, you got anything to... Uh, that you want to talk about? Do you want bring me to bring? Up? Do you want me to bring up that I have the headphones on? <laughs> that you're phasing out. You're phasing out the headphones, and I don't want to give them up. Is that what you want to? All right. I need you, you guys to, to comment on uh, what you think of the headphones. Should we? Should I'm we go headphoneless? Or I'm keep a the bit headphones? narcissistic. I like to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing right now. I'm hearing myself speak, and it's kind of soothing. You're really close to the mic. You're probably maxing everything out. Let's see your levels. I'm not, mm. Say something. Something. All right. I'm not maxing it out, right, you see, do, because we... I have the headphones in, so I can hear exactly <laughs> how it's going to sound for the people. I actually turned your, he your, he your headphones down really low, so, you so every time someone listens to you, they're like, ah, oh, that guy Max is screaming all the time. All right, well. I say, I know. It's the headphones. Anyway, that was fun. Uh, episode 16, we are here with Norm Rieger of H&H &H Rem H -H Remodeling out of Hawthorne, New Jersey, right? That's correct. Uh, we met, you actually hit us up randomly, maybe going on a couple years ago. I think it was more than that. Yeah. You had hit us up and you said, I would like to take you guys out to lunch or something. I want to talk, use you guys on as a plumber. Yeah. And that's, and how'd you find us? I, I want to say back then it was still social media. Okay. Like I, I'm pretty sure because what I was doing was, uh, I had one plumber that had been my main guy for years and years and years and years and years. And I really only used him. He was a one-man show, rarely had a helper. Um, and at some point, he retired and went to work for a school system. And when he was phasing out, I was like, well, what am I going to do? I mean, the yellow pages aren't a thing anymore. Yeah. I, I don't just want to Google somebody. So names that either I recognized from trucks or looked up or saw on social media, I reached out to about three or four uh, firms to kind of get a feel for people because... I can't just hire you and have you do a job without getting to know oh, you. Oh, yeah. It just 
Absolutely. That, that's a big, I've learned my lesson. That's a no-go. Listen, we have, there's a, we have a whole um, repertoire of contractors, masons, electricians, and stuff like that, but we got to test you out. You know what I mean? 100%. Because we get it, we get it all the time. Customers around here, they say, oh, I, I called this guy. He had good reviews, but he just disappeared. He left, us, he left us high and dry. He screwed this up, yada, yada. So we don't want that. And the way you met us, it was super professional. And by the way, Norm's dressed nice and clean, freshly showered. Me and Max literally just walked off the job. So excuse, excuse the appearance. I took like, a I quick 15-minute nap in the truck before this. <laughs> he didn't even go home. He's like, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm like, all right. So I thought he went home. Literally, he just went to his car and passed out for a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Norm, I'm sorry we're not giving you the best of the... Uh, the, the, no, I, I probably should should be uh, should be more blue collared down a little bit, honestly myself. No, this is good because this is the goal. This yeah. is the end goal of the blue collar trades. It's not always dirty your entire life. Yeah, you do have to get down and dirty every no, once in a while. And sometimes I do wear the CEO yeah. shirt more than I wear the tool belt, yeah. and, and that's okay too. I'm 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 good with that. I can't wait for those days. I'm so tired of being like a working manager. Ever really, he'll attest to it. Every day I'm like. He gets yeah. He gets angrier and angrier, and it's just like he it's curses. It's so much, dude. It's so much. You like know. I'm out working, and the phone, my phone is ringing off the hook, and my office is calling with a million questions, and every, and I just got to stop and put it down and pick up the phone and answer and call this customer and quickly write up an estimate while I'm like upside down underneath a faucet trying to get it in. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the day where I can just kind of sit back and. I'm experienced enough where I can get the guys out and, you know, you said you have six trucks, right? Yeah, I think altogether it's about six of us now. Yeah, six, either not including mine, including mine or six. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, especially in this area. So you said we were talking before that we, we started, um, we started recording. You opened up in 2004. Yeah. Out of Hawthorne. And then there was a transition. You kind of started as a handyman and there I was did. a transition around 2009 yeah around well around 2006 we started to rebrand and here's why so um this is a second career for me i i wasn't in the trades my whole life now i grew up doing this kind of work i remember being seven years old uh standing on a deck of a roof when my grandfather built a house in, in hamden connecticut that's where i grew up uh in in connecticut and uh one of my first jobs out of high school was in a lumber yard you know retail clerking you know loading lumber loading trucks and you know, contractors back then, it was kind of, you know, there was no Home Depot in the Northeast. So they weren't pulling into parking lots to get cheap labor. So they say, hey, kid, you work at a lumberyard. You want to work on a weekend. You want to work tonight. And so I got my, my bones in the trades, learning from my family, learning from uh, guys that hired me or as a helper to work. And then in, I stayed in retail a little longer. And there was a company called Grossman's back in the day, called Grossman's Rickles. It was like the pre-Home Depot yep. medium box stores. Yep. Uh, all right, so the cool part about Grossman's is when you were in the management program, they actually almost put you through college on every product in the store. So you had to get a badge for plumbing. You had to get a badge for paint. You had to get a badge for millwork. You had to get a badge for doors and windows. You had to learn and take tests and be able to tell a double-hung window and how the rails and the styles were made and manufactured. Oh, wow. So you got a really good base of product knowledge, which nobody does anymore. Right. So I'm grateful to Grossman's. They have that and, at Home Depot, too. It's just, it's just now it's... Uh... Now it's stay-at-home moms that can that have those badges and that work in the plumbing aisle. They definitely don't have that at Home Depot. I don't Depot. think it's the same, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 back, but, but back then it was pretty cool. So that's kind of how I learned the business. Now, I never did this for a living for the first 
oh my God, uh, 10, 15 years of my career. I stayed in retail. I got my uh, degree in business management. And in retail, I became a specialist in loss prevention. So loss prevention is catching the bad guys. So you're security. Oh, security. And uh, I was good at it. And then I started learning internal investigations and hidden cameras. And uh, Get they, out of here. They, they sent me to school for interview and interrogation, body language reading, neurolinguistics. It was great because you can conduct an interview without giving someone their Miranda rights because they're on the clock. So we actually had more rights than the police. Oh, and I became wow. very successful at a young age and eventually got promoted out of what I enjoyed doing. I was the youngest director of loss prevention in the country working for a company called Ocean State Job Lot up in Rhode Island. When I was 25 years old, I was a director, uh, 71 stores. So that was my first career. And I got promoted around the country, and I was down here working for, I don't want to say the company's name, luxury big box store in the area, Short Hill Malls. Um, and I was a vice president and director for them. And it just wasn't working out. I lived in Hawthorne. And uh, I said, look, I'm going to tap out. Gave my numbers to the recruiters. Go find me another job. Yeah. You know, headhunters back then is what we worked right. with. And I said, you know, I'll make some spare cash doing what I you know, grew up doing. I'll just pick up a tool belt, do some handyman work around town. And it very quickly grew into a, a business within six months. And by six months into it, I knew I was never going to work for anybody again for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so the, the company started as Hawthorne Handyman. And it was just me. No helper, me in a little red truck. Wow. Wow, just doing little odd jobs just, here and there. It was the, the craziest thing. I put an ad in the Hawthorne Press. That's when newspaper ads actually worked. And we're not talking 30 years no, ago. We're, you no. know, we're talking like 18 You're years ago. This millennium, yeah. like this century. T 2005, uh, 2004. And I put an ad in the Hawthorne paper, and people call and say, hey, um, you know, my gutter's falling off the house from the storm. Can you come screw it back on? Or, or you know, can you power wash my deck? Or can you repair my bifold door that's fallen off the track? And I had this breadth of experience. Could you paint? Of course. Um, I didn't know how to price myself, so I ended up thinking I was making good money in the beginning, but not really knowing how, what the competition yeah. was charging. Yeah. And then the tax man came a year yeah. later. So, you know, you go through the growing pains of going from being an employee your whole life to learn how to run a business. But that was how I transitioned into the trades as for a living. What did you do about equipment? I did you just bought as you I went? I bought as I went. I mean, I had a bunch of tools. Look, I, I had tools my whole life. I did a little addition on my house when I lived in Rhode Island. So I had a good base set of tools. Yeah. I didn't have to start from scratch. You know, they weren't great Milwaukee stuff. You know, it was kind of, a lot of it was, you know, cheap Ryobi. I'm kind of off Mil Milwaukee, to be honest. I'm, I'm getting off Milwaukee a little my, bit. My company's <laughs> big in DeWalt, and that's just because we got addicted to the batteries, and we just can't oh, change Oh, the batteries at this are point. the best. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But, but uh, you know, so that's how I did it. So we, it transitioned, and it became very successful, and I enjoyed what I was doing. I liked the creating process. I liked the, when you finish something, as you know, at the end of the day, look, I did that. I, you know. I, 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 I installed that boiler. Look how clean that pipe work is. You yeah. know, that, that kind of thing. And I never looked back. Yeah. That's awesome. So you started, 04 was when you kind of made that transition. Yep. And you had said you have more of, I don't want to put this, more of a branding, marketing, business building mindset than a contractor, really. Well, I don't know if I always did. But, yeah. it, but at least in the last 10 years, I'll say, because how I transitioned, uh, you know, I was in Hawthorne Handyman, and that was the name of my company, and I did very well. And I eventually got a helper, and I eventually had an employee. Um, but the name was actually hurting me for what I wanted to do, right? So I, I had big dreams and big thoughts, and I always want to make things bigger and scale it. And no one's going to hire you to do an addition on their house if your company right. name is Handyman, and yeah. neither would I. Um, but we were capable, and I was 
business-wise, had the mindset that I could do it in a quality way, um, even if I hadn't done a lot of them. I know I would vet and hire right. quality subcontractors, you know, learn from the framers, learn from the roofers, and get it done and manage it to the, to the, to the level that even if I personally couldn't frame a hip roof, I could make sure a hip roof was framed to plan gotcha. and on time and done with quality. Where'd you learn to read plans? I taught myself to read plans. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I taught myself wow. to read plans. And then there, again, when I started, YouTube videos wasn't a thing. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I actually read a couple books. <laughs> Holy know? cow. Yeah, yeah. I have a stack of books from when I started the company that I would read at night, uh, you know, to, to teach myself how to. So one book was called How to Work Alone. It was great, like how to lay out a deck and frame something using the, uh, you know, the Pythagorean theorem, yeah. and, you know, and the, the five, six, seven method. So if you're working by yourself, you could, you know, handle twelve foot joists and how to hold them into level and plumb and get the bows and crowns. Teaching out of yourself them. plans. That's that's crazy. Yeah, because we, we there's like a whole semester in plumbing school on how to read plans. They do, they it's do like looking whole, at Chinese for me. Yeah. You like know what? I, I look at blueprints and it's like it's got to be getting more comfortable. Though. It does. It does. It, it gets more comfortable. But in the beginning, it was like Chinese. It is. Well, it is I, like in the beginning, I missed things. You know what I mean? I, oh, I taught yeah. myself to, to to read plans, but then you know you'd get to a, an inspection, and you know I'm very proud. I know we did the forms right. You know we're there for the footing inspection, and you know the the inspector says, "Well, where's the footing drain?" Yeah. And I said, "What footing drain? You, you see this little thing on the plan, the mm. circle with the rocks around it? That's that's what you had to have there." A lot, so, of, a lot of red tape taught you a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons, and you know I I didn't pretend to know it all, so I was happy to learn. You yeah. know, I, I didn't mind making mistakes because as long as I didn't hurt anybody or cost right. any money. Uh, you know, the mistakes helped me grow. Of course, yeah. Well, same with us. I mean, I had a pretty... So before plumbing, I was building swimming pools. I didn't know that. Like high-end swimming pools with, you know, laminier jets and, you know, raised spas, intricate tiles, stuff like that. Every so time I was we doing, go up to Englewood Cliffs, he points them out. Yeah, every time we drive through... I built that pool. It was all like, you know, Mawa, Tenafly, Englewood, mm -hmm. Neck, all like beautiful pools. The guy who I worked for, he, he was in business for a hundred years. What? He's like fourth generation. They were putting in swimming pools a hundred years ago. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I, I didn't even know that was a business. Uh, absolutely. I, I guess there it was had to very, be, right? So in, Gatsby, this, you know. yeah. in this area, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. in this area, there was a lot of money back then and people were starting to put in swimming pools. And the, back in like I guess the the last quarter of the uh, 19th century, 1800s, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So he started in like 1904. He's like, you know what? I can figure this. It's a hole in the ground. So he started doing swimming pools back then. And, and then his grandfather took over. And then his father took over. And then he took over. So he knows in and out. And he got to a point where pools is crazy now. The technology they have for pools, what you can do with pools is insane. He had he build he builds his swimming pools with in-floor cleaning systems. So there's about 30 heads that are built into the floor. And each zone has like five or six heads on it. And a zone will raise up and it'll blow, it'll it'll push water and push all the dirt down toward the main drain automatically. The heads raise up on And their the heads raise up about three quarters of an inch. And there's ne a and there's never a sprayer. Seen that. It's I, so I, it's kind of like a niche market that he does. Crazy. And all his pools are natural. He takes like a very natural approach to design, but that's how I started. So I had a good plumbing background. When I came in here, my uncle, who I work, you know, who kind of tried to show me the, the ropes, he's like, you really pretty much got this. I mean, it's, you know, w besides like boilers and stuff, 
plumbing is not that difficult. You got to make sure your pitches are right. You got to just you got to understand that shit flows downhill. You know what I mean? So when you're <laughs> putting in pipes, you got to make sure your pitches are right. That the that the T's are curved where it's going to flow. Boilers and stuff, something totally different. But I had a pretty good background, and when you came in, you know you. I didn't have to go nuts with you, or I didn't get too frustrated I was, with I you. Was, yeah, I was. I'm fairly handy, but I don't like. My uncle was a carpenter and a really good carpenter, so anytime he would do work like on my parents' house, I would help him out with that kind of stuff. But I, I wasn't. I was never in like one of the trades, like one of you two. There's guys. always. There's okay. always like. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of random stuff from your past that can come up and help whatever you're doing, even if it wasn't really even related to that. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky because pools was. But it seems like you were jumping all over the place from security to handyman to now remodeling. And I've seen your social media. I mean, I see you doing podcasts. The videos you do are super high quality. I see more, and this may be a little prejudgmental, but I see more of a businessman. marketing businessman than a builder. Well, I, that's how I. No offense. That's how. That's not offend. That's how I identify now. <laughs> I, I, what, I, I, what are the pronouns for that? <laughs> sure. Uh, it, it's funny, but that, that's really how I think of it, though. Um, uh, when I when I started, I was a handyman, and you know, you, you kind of you are what you do every day. So you know, I, I thought you know, people say, "What do you do?" I'm a handyman, yeah. and then. As I began to do a lot more remodeling jobs, which I enjoyed, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a construction manager. I'd say I'm a carpenter. Yeah. You know, I'm a carpenter. I own a construction. I own a remodeling company. But in recent years, I, I don't even, I say I'm the owner of a construction company. I, I And I, I don't know, that wasn't deliberate. That changed in my I head. Gotcha. Because I, that's how my brain works. My brain's about scaling. My brain's about marketing. My brain's about staying in touch. I see a lot of guys in the trades that own businesses that have been very successful over the years um, that'll say things like, oh, my wife does my paperwork at night. You know, your paperwork. I mean, that's what they call the entire running of the business yeah. is my paperwork. Yeah. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody else, but I don't want to be that guy to go, oh, TikToks, that's for the kids. I ain't never doing that. I don't, I use, I don't use my phone for email. I, that that's it. Look, if that's who you are, I'm not judging. But I, as a businessman, I, I'm kind of like the Gary V school, you know, like of the entrepreneur spirit. Yep. And I want to stay. I don't want to dismiss something because I, it's for the kids right. or, or or that's dumb. Because you, you get out there, you'll 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 feel what works and what doesn't. The kids are going to eventually grow up and own homes. They are. <laughs> and and, and, and they're and they're and they're not going to be on Facebook because that's for old people already. <laughs> yeah. you know? So, you know, we're already behind. Um, so yep. so what, right now when I do my uh, social media blasts, I have my company put it out on, it goes out on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about TikTok that I'm hoping for, uh, I was we were talking about my dog blooper uh, video, yeah. and we'll, we'll get into that. But the cool thing about TikTok versus Instagram or, or Facebook is, right, Instagram and Facebook, the only people that see your videos is the people that follow you. Yeah. Or... Two, two exceptions, you boost a post by paying for it to get disseminated or uh, right. blasted, or you create a reel, right. and reels do get some organic reach. Yep. TikTok is nothing but organic yeah. reach in the beginning. They just blast it out to everybody, and if people start to like it, follow a pause on it, then it starts kicking it out more. Yeah. So all you need is one viral TikTok video. That's it. To, to kind of, uh, YouTube's, I guess, is uh, is kind of organic YouTube as well. YouTube is the same. Well, they have the shorts now. Yeah. Which kind of work the same as reels. Exactly. Everybody's yeah. trying to do the same thing. It's a lot of work, though. It is a lot of work. I pay somebody to do a lot of what you see. Um, you know, I, I'm, I create the content in my head. I don't script it. 
Um, I, I go in like we came in today. We kind of tossed around like what the idea is going to be in general, and, yeah. and we start talking and we start flowing. And for me, it didn't happen on purpose. The videos that when I was teaching and not preaching were the ones that got the most positive feedback. So I pivot. Yeah, you know, no one wants to go. Hey, come to HH Remodeling. We will do a great job. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a TV commercial yeah. for 1970s television salesman. Um, they liked when I said, "Hey guys, do you know what that pipe that goes through the roof is? What's that? That's called a vent pipe." People don't realize when I talk about vents, they think I'm talking about HVAC. There's right. a vent in your roof that allows air to flow behind water, as you guys know, to stop vacuums from being created, to stop gurgling, to make toilets flush right. 100%. And people go, wow, that was a cool video. So I got good feedback that, hey, I never knew that. Norm, I'm driving around neighbors and now I'm looking at pipes sticking out of roofs. You know, we were we were tossing, we were, we were trying to get out and I, I kind of been talking to other plumbers about this. Do like a top five series. Top five things you should know how to do in your own home with That's plumbing. A great idea. Or top five things you shouldn't touch. Or top five things... Uh, you what else call are we talking about? Top five things you should call professional for versus top five things you should know and be able to do on your own because people... That, it's great. It, top, it, five, top five newest products you yeah. should have or you should look into. Or should stay away it's from... It's easy. Plus top, top five is great. Top yeah. fives and top three yeah. is better sell. People Absolutely. Like, they like it being finite. They don't. They know they're not going to go on for 10 things and, yeah. and they can Listen, they I, I don't mind putting it on here because I know you and you and I can do it better anyway. So anyone, anyone can steal that idea. Go for it. <laughs> it's all out there. Yeah. It's all out there. <laughs> things that you should go to like Home Depot and Lowe's for versus things that you should stay oh. away from those places for, you know? So when, you people, some when, things, when people hire me to do uh, bathroom renovations or even additions that include bathroom renovations, yeah. I give them this information sheet after we sign the contract on what you should shop for when because i don't need you shopping for countertops when you need to be shopping for the valve body right. that's going behind the wall right and what not to shop for at the big box store versus yeah. what i don't care if you do yeah you know because i don't care if you hand me a sconce light that's going on the wall flanking yeah. your mirrors from home depot or you go to capital lighting if that still exists yeah. but or you buy it on build.com but if you're going to buy a, a shower valve without integral stops that isn't going to pass an inspection at Home Depot, that's a problem. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's what we try to we try to you guide know. you. Amazon is another one. I feel like Amazon's even oh, worse than worse. People worse. that call us up and I got the part already and you know that you're going to walk into an Amazon or a Home yeah. Depot special that, like you said, doesn't have integral stops. Amazon's terrible. Or doesn't come up meet code or anything and you're just like, sorry, but I'm not putting this in. And they'll you get know? it and we'll, we're like, okay, well, and we will put it in and be like, listen, I'm not warranting anything. <laughs> I'll let you, as soon as my tool bag passes that door and I get in my truck, it's all you. I can't, yeah. if you got it from Amazon, I can't warranty it. I'm sorry. And, and it's a tough position to take, right? Because you always want to make it about the customer. You want them to have a just great experience yeah. with you. But you also can't th get taken advantage of when you try to guide and say, look, I'll put this in for you. But if it was my house, I wouldn't do it. And here's why. And if they say do it, then you have to take that position. You got to protect yourself. You know, um, yeah. we all have different things that we, you know, we, your quirks, the things that keep coming back to haunt you over and over again. And you know your brands and you tell people, listen, stay, stick with these brands, stay away from these brands. Do they listen? Not always. No. <laughs> you know? And sometimes it doesn't matter and other, yeah. other times it can. And that's when you kind of have to get, leave them with a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Our biggest problem around here is water quality, which sure. is destroying plumbing from the inside out and there's nothing i can do about that you can spend three thousand dollars on a faucet or 200 it's going to eat the inside the same uh, exactly the same it only really matters what faucet has a better warranty so that's why we've been pushing filtration a lot lately because there's nothing i can do like our chlorine content is high you can smell it 
in our water. You can sm- you can smell the manganese and and the, the, we have uranium in our water. So we oh, got we got really into filtration in Bergen. And Bergen County's terrible. Well, I think that's one of the first topics we talked about when we met years ago at the diner. Like, yeah, we were talking about the water. I had no idea it was that bad until yep. you you kind of shed some light on it for me. They goes and this is and, uh, th- this is what you guys can look at at your water reports. You're going to look for, there's two columns that they give you, the MCL, I think I'm going to get this right, and the MCLG, so minimum content level, mm-hmm. and that's your reading, okay. and minimum content level goal, which is what they're aiming for, Okay. and those two rarely line up. So MCL is what the federal government will allow you to give your customers as a water company. Okay. But there's a goal that they're trying to reach. And if you're using this water 20, 30, 40 years, people don't think about when you shower, you're creating all those chemicals, you're making them into steam. So you're sitting there breathing them for 10, 50. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you go to New York City, you drink their water, delicious. Nobody drinks their water around here. It's it's verifiably horrible without a test kit. (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't need a test kit to know that our water's terrible. Wow. All you have to so, do is shut the water off to your house, let it sit for a minute, and then turn the water back onto your house and run your faucet, and you see how brown yeah. and disgusting your water comes yeah. out. If you drain your pipes, yeah. if you drain your house, like we, we have to do it all the time. We drain, because if we do a water heater, we've got to drain the house so we can redo the piping. Mm-hmm. And you always get that blast of brown coming through. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's coming from the line from the street to your house. I mean, we have people, they've been actually good with changing out the lead lines. They've been they they had like a a one year thing where if you sign up you can do it for free. A lot of people missed it. Yeah, yeah. which sucks. But people don't understand that the water quality around here. We're changing out faucets five, ten, twelve years later, and you go out to Ohio where my parents are. They have the same faucet for like thirty, forty years. A Home Depot special because the water water's not as aggressive. See, I didn't realize it was that uh, chronic, just specific to this area. Oh, yeah. It's this bad here versus everywhere else. Because we get our water from underneath us. And look at all the infrastructure. And the infrastructure. And everything's soaking into yep. the ground. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I just kind of figured it was like that everywhere except for like Montana. I learned know, most or... of it from a, not most of it, I learned a lot from actually a customer when he bought a filtration system. He bought a filtration system and he, and he I asked him, you know, why'd you buy it? Because we try to encourage people to get it but why'd you buy it and he just goes he starts rambling all these facts about how because he started a family and we have the highest rates of cancer in the country we have the oh, highest geez. rates of twins in the country like twins uh. like twins are not in they're, they're not it's not just like some natural freak thing it's it there's there's correlations that you know to to it's like Aaron Brockovich yeah yeah we have hexavalent exactly, chromium in our exactly water there's like you'll when you if you go if you go to your water report You'll you'll get you'll have a very slight reading of hexavalent chromium. That started eight nine years ago when it was United Water. Yeah, I remember before it was taken yep. over. Yeah, and what's a French company well, doing running our water? Me, they're meeting the they're meeting it's the it. federal goals, but that doesn't matter. It's fine that you're meeting the federal goals, but they're testing. They're not doing a 30, 40 year old test as as long as you're living in the house and you keep using that water. We push filtration all the time. I'm completely taking this away from your, your HH no, room. No, no, look, I'm happy here to just talk about it. I wasn't, uh, that's, that's, it's great stuff because I still, it's not front of mind. Right. But well, this is, uh, this is, you do a lot of completely new builds and remodels. Yeah. 
this is great for you to give to a customer too. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? Well, for, one, it's just important in general, even not for a sale. I, yeah. I think people should be aware of this, and not everybody's. I think very few people are actually aware of it. We got we got hooked up with. Um, he was the Manhattan's director of health, and he ran for like twenty five years. He ran Manhattan's health board, and now he does strictly filtration out of Long Island. Oh, wow. Long Island has some of the worst water in the country. They're worse than us. Really? So he's been putting in filtration systems out there, top-of-the-line stuff. Now, they're expensive, but we we took his product, and we've been, been installing it around here, and every customer is, like, mind-blown. You can sell the water, you know, and I don't want to plug the product until they're going to pay for advertising, <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. I'll just keep selling it behind, like, you know, to customers, but it's it, it's a huge difference. All right, we're gonna have to talk off off camera. All right, we will. But uh, I mean, listen, this is good ammo if you if you're if you're doing remodels 100%. and and new builds. It's already in my back pocket. Good. So what you do is you you umbrella like your your business umbrella is like electrical, HVAC, plumbing, everything. Do you do contract all that stuff out? It, it really depends on the job, Max. So if if I'm doing a whole addition on somebody's house, they want to hire a general contractor. They want to talk to one yeah. person. They want one person to be in charge. And I have the experience now over the years to really be able to manage the trades. And 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 the best part is that once you know how to manage the trades, you eventually vet to the point where you don't need to manage the trades because the trades working for you are the ones that you know how they operate. You know that they're neat and clean. You know the techs by yeah. name. You know the guys that know how to put in a light fixture and not leave footprint uh, fingerprints all over the ceiling after the house is painted right. brand new. Right. You know the people that aren't going to you know, walk on brand new sanded floors without throwing down their own drop cloth that isn't full of rubble. Um, so you learn to manage the trades, then you learn to vet the trades, and then pretty soon you develop a team and a bullpen of trades that are at your level. And that's fantastic because once I'm holding them to my standard and my customers appreciate them at that level, I don't have to micromanage them. I don't want to micromanage them as long as they're delivering and they're executing and they're cooperating with everybody else. You know, everybody's got to play nice. Yeah. You're building a house. You know, who wants it? The HVAC guy wants the bays first to run the duct work. You know, plumbers, we usually get them in second. And But, you know, there's, there's sometimes conflict. I was going to say, so you're pretty good at being able to coordinate who comes in first, second, third, and stuff like that. Because yeah. we've worked for GCs that are just winging it. Everybody no. going at the, Everybody's in at the same day, on the no. same day. You, you oh, can't. yeah. I've had guys walk off the job in the day when we first started because I wasn't managing it properly. Yeah. And so, look... Like you guys know, time is money, and and whether it's on a micro scale or a macro scale. So in in the big course of things, if if I'm doing a, a renovation that's six months for a big addition, and I lose a couple days here and there because of a weather event or you know somebody has a service call and they can't come do construction plumbing that day, that's kind of factored in. But if you start making mistakes and sending guys to job and then they can't work for a reason and they leave and they go do something else and now they can't come back from two yeah. weeks and that happens a lot and it compounds, you're making less money in a year. Oh, yeah. It, it, that's what's happening, Absolutely. right? So, you know, and, and people don't understand that unless you relate it to a salary. So if you're the manager of McDonald's and you make 60 grand a year. If I told you, well, look, you, you got to work an extra two months this year for the same salary. Is sixty grand great for fourteen months? If you were happy with it for twelve, it's certainly not. Right. So, in 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 running a company where we're trying to get paid, people always worried like we're going to drag their job out. How long is this going to take? Six months? Can you do it any sooner? We'll go into why the bar is set so low. But look, I want your money as quick as I could possibly yeah. get it. Yeah. With quality and not you know sacrificing yeah. anything. Um, so 
for me to make my money correctly, I have to run like a Swiss watch whenever possible. Yep. You have to time the trades. You have to prophylactically have people shopping for things when you need them. You have your vendors that are on your cell phone. They say, look, I need the roughs delivered on Tuesday, but you're going to be holding these finishes, these trims until six months for me. And here's why. And if you have vendors that are happy to work with you and develop the relationship and know you know what you're doing, they're okay to do that for you. You'll, I have a kitchen cabinet company that normally for other people, they want to drop ship directly to a job site. They don't have room to store kitchens, right. yeah. but I've been working for these people long enough and I take care of the people who take care of me. And if there's a jam up or a customer's screws up and they can't get their inspections on time or they didn't order their sheetrock or they're you know gc and part of the job themselves and we ordered cabinets they'll take them and hold them for me and yeah, those, yeah, the yeah. relationships are so important networking and relationships with your vendors with your subs uh to, for your support group right. is huge it's huge well, and it all it it, it kind of tarnishes your reputation if you don't have everything in order and if you're scheduling not properly and stuff and you know because what i've seen on social media your reputation is on point. Your product is on point. You know what you're talking about. Like you can spout off. And I'm just sitting here doing this, like you know your stuff. And when you sit down with someone who doesn't know their stuff, because there's a lot of GCs out there, we've worked for them. I can think of one specifically. <laughs> BFM. That's a little. That's a little uh, <laughs> nickname we came up with. One. Okay. We won't say what that means on camera. Like, actually, another one came to mind too. Funny guy, but it doesn't matter if you're funny. Like, he didn't know how to plan. There's guys stumbling on top of each other, and especially in this area, this is where the money's at. We haven't and had. We. We. Ha sorry to interrupt, but we haven't had one. I don't think since I've worked with you, a good experience with a GC. No, because really? uh, it, None? It, we've had GCs that have either put us on jobs where everybody's in at the same time. Okay, so like HVAC, electrical, yeah, you know, no contracting, whatever it is. And then we've had homeowners who do it. Oh, yeah. Who GC the job. And that's that's the worst. The worst. That's the worst. <laughs> the worst. That's the worst. And and. Look, there's a value to what I do. I mean, obviously, I believe that because I do. Oh, it. 1000 percent. But. If you know what you're doing, there's a value to what I do because people think, okay, well, I could GC this myself. I'm going to hire my electrician. I'm going to hire a tile guy. I'm going to hire a sheetrock guy. And you can. You technically can. And you're going to save about 10 to 12% on the job. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't know what they're supposed to be doing and you don't know who needs to go first or you don't know little nuances like – I think I'm the only general contractor in northern New Jersey that understands fire draft stopping code. It's a code that nobody knows that, like exists. It's, you, you, it's true. Yeah, you, you're you, right. You, you've been in the houses. You see the orange oh, foam yeah. in the holes. But people don't realize when you fire draft a basement. We do a lot of finished basements. Um, every eight feet, you have to have a piece of sheetrock that goes from the stud back to the cement wall to prevent backdraft from behind uh, the studs. Because yeah, in a yeah, basement, yeah. Yep. studs aren't up against the sheathing. Yep. So fire could run behind the studs. So you have to have that. You have to have certain, um, whenever a horizontal meets a vertical, you don't want fire in a wall with a light switch jumping up into a ceiling and running across the joints. Yeah. So fire draft stopping, once you learn it, you know it, it's good. Nobody knows it. So, Especially a homeowner. So, And that's another, that's to the point you were speaking to. So if you're GCing yourself, you're going to fail a whole lot of yeah. inspections. And most inspectors are going to say, look, my job's to inspect, not to teach you how to yeah. do it right. Yeah. you gotta, you got to look this up and figure this out yeah. one out. I mean, you might get a nice guy that goes, hey, look, here's what you got to do. You got to fill this in. But 
the, the an inspector isn't there to teach no, you he's the, not. the code. He's, there, like he's there to make sure you did it right. You're like yeah. insurance for a homeowner. Like you, when you when somebody hires you, they know that the job is going to get done right. They don't have to worry about the plumber. They don't have to worry about the electrician. They don't have to worry about those guys because you're going to be on top of them. That's what they pay you for. Well, it's right? 100% accountability, right? Yeah. I'm the guy that stands in front of the camera and does these type of podcasts, and I'm the guy that they talk about in my Google reviews. I take full credit when everything's going good. But it's not me, right? I got this team behind me that we've built, uh, part of my doing, you know, vetting yeah. and building the team and building the culture. But I'm not executing all the work, but I take the credit. But I also take all the blame. Exactly. I'll say. never tell a homeowner that the plumber made a mistake or that the tile guy cut that bad or, or this or that. That's respectable. They, they, they might have. <laughs> but look, it's, it, it's all my credit. It's all my blame. And that's just the way I operate. And people appreciate that, I think, eventually. Yeah. Most of them, anyway. No, that's, that's actually a great point. And that's fair, I believe. But, uh, we have... We, we, did, we did a, a kitchen renovation... Half bathroom, new bathroom install, completely revamped the kitchen, and then had, ended up having to like redo the bathroom upstairs. And the homeowner decides to GC. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we're going to GC. I'm, I'm a designer, so I'm going to GC. Oh, a lot of that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that in Burton County. <laughs> so there was no, first of all, there was no scheduling properly. Now, they did get screwed by some contractors they hired that just wouldn't show up, which mm-hmm. is frustrating. So it's not all on them. However... The biggest thing is they have huge marble tiles and marble countertops that went in. Okay. And we ran piping for toe kick heaters. Mm-hmm. The electrician never ran his they wiring. They don't watch this, do they? Oh, no. Yeah. Never ran his wiring. So we go in to hook up the toe kick. She's like, all right, the floor's done. We go in. They're like, uh, there's no 120 volt wire. We need, we need power for these. And I know for a fact, I told them that we need power for these. And I talked to the electrician but early on in the job, but there's no, there's no one there with the mindset of a GC. She just wants it done. There were different people on that job. I think we were the only contractors on that really stayed oh, yeah. from she beginning went through, like, to end. Oh, they didn't turn over yeah. in, in the yeah. trades. Yeah. yeah, We've had that a lot too. That, well, that's the biggest thing. There's, I don't think there's any job that we've, that we've been on that we've ever like walked off of We've finished, seen it from start to finish, and almost every single one that we've been on, we've we've seen yeah. rolling contractors. Well, yeah, you know, well, was which once, is extremely there frustrating were for us. Four electricians on one job that we were on once Oof. wasn't even that big. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I tell people all the time. So we don't. We're just a two man operation. Mm-hmm. So we don't do a lot of renovations. We'll get some usually in the summers when I'll pick them up. But I tell customers all the time. Listen, you got to get a GC. You have to get a GC. You can't wing this. You can't sign permits on this. So it's going to, first of all, if you try to do this, you're going to shave years off your life. Yeah, that's you're sure. going to be, it's so frustrating. So, and that's why, I mean, we, you need, we need a guy like Norm out there. I'm going to tell him everyone needs a Norm. So I, I do have a question for <laughs> you. There, there, was a, there was a saying I heard once that uh, renovation is like the fourth major uh, stress in life after death in a family divorce or major illness like renovation is the fourth one and i i added to that by saying sometimes it causes one of the other three yeah because you know if you could put yourself look i i feel for people even when we're nailing it and we're doing a great job but it's a big job yeah and people are living through a lot of this it's not all new construction right so yeah they got kids they got pets they they want they want a refrigerator and a and, and a stove yeah. back yeah. um 
they get renovation anxiety and uh, eventually renovation fatigue, yeah. and they want you gone. As much as they love you, you could be the best contract in the world. They want you out of their yeah. house. And if it's not going well, that just compounds. I know. Yeah. It's stressful for everyone. You know, what were you going to ask? Oh, um, I'm sorry, Max. That's fine. I, I wanted to know, like, when you decided that transition from being hands-on to being a little bit more hands-off, like, what, what sparked that? I, I mean, I know you had that business mentality, you said, for a long time, but what was that transition like? Because I, I hope to one day have my own business and, and possibly make that transition. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Possibly make that transition, <laughs> you know, to kind of doing like what you're doing. You know, it, it, hands it, off and running the show. Okay, the first tip I'll tell you is don't get used to the money you're making. Because every time you need to make a transition, you got to take a pay cut. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by that is, okay, let's say it's me and a helper, me and one employee, and I feel like I'm going to need another employee. Let's just do some math, right? So let's say nowadays call an employee, I don't know, what do you got to hire somebody? Even somebody with skills, you got to hire 25, 30 bucks an hour. So 25, 30 bucks an hour. Uh, 1200 bucks a week, uh, which is 60 grand a year, round, round numbers, plus payroll taxes, federal employee contributions, workers' compensation. Um, so now to make a profit on somebody you're paying 60 grand a year, you hopefully got to build them out at 120 a year minimum. You know, in other industries, it's three times salary, but let's say we can get away with two times salary because you're going to have more than one employee eventually. So to pay somebody 120 grand a year, that means you need 120 grand a year or you know, to bill out somebody for that, you need a hundred twenty grand a year profit. Yeah. So do you have to do a million more to make enough to hire another guy? Well, no, that's not realistic. But what you have to do is you can't wait till you need the guy yeah. because if you had that extra million dollars a year, you could handle it. So at some point, you you feel the itch, you feel that I can't do it anymore like this. But I got to take a step back as the business owner to f invest in my business, in which case I'm taking a pay cut <laughs> so that I could afford the guy hoping that I'm right and I'm going to scale this. And that guy is going to make me way more money eventually because now I'm making profit on two mechanics instead of one. But every time I took a step forward, I had to take a little step back to push forward. That's kind so, of a tough reality to accept for some guys, I would they, say. They would love to think that the money, all of a sudden they're making an extra million dollars and there's hiring guys and buying trucks. And I don't think in reality, at least not from my experience, it works like that. Yeah. You, you got to take a you got to take a loan and buy a piece of equipment. Yeah. You got to get a credit line that scares the crap out of you. Yeah, when, you know people wish for big credit lines. Let me tell you, once you get them, they're <laughs> frightening. Yeah, um, because when I see that I owe bank two hundred thousand dollars that is just floating out there. Um, and you go, oh my God, it's like a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. But you know, hopefully you manage it correctly. But it's it's scaling can get scary. Bigger, bigger, bigger business, bigger problems. But to answer your question a little more succinctly, I didn't deliberately have a plan. I eventually hired guys and eventually hired more guys in what I just described to you. And pretty soon, it didn't make sense for me. Like my time now was worth more than what I was paying them. And if I was spending my time on a job straightening out a deck board when I could be reading blueprints, which I couldn't pay yeah. them to do, or I couldn't be writing proposals, which I couldn't pay them to do, or I couldn't be making a business plan or making a marketing plan or setting up Google ads. Yeah, in the beginning, you do it at night. You do it on your spare time. But at some point, you want it to be your, your real right. job, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's how it slowly happens over time. There's no big jump. I feel this in my soul right now. No, no, <laughs> I, I, no I do too, because the reason I'm asking is because a part... Like I've said on a lot of the other podcasts, 
a lot of what I'm trying to get out of it, at least on my end, is for younger generations to get into these trades, but to see that there's there's different aspects of these trades. Like you started off, you know, getting your hands dirty, uh, um, and and eventually you got to this point where now you're running the show and you've got six trucks on the road and and you're making money doing it that way. Like people think that we're just you know dealing with crap all day long and we are but there's there's i don't want to say like a light at the end of the tunnel but there's a goal that we have in mind and, and you want you guys are going to get there because you stand out that goal is death <laughs> the goal is death <laughs> no, i'm well, just kidding we're all heading there none of, none of us are getting out of this alive <laughs> that goal is a peaceful rest in the ground <laughs> but yeah, i'm it, totally kidding it, it does take time max to get to there also yeah no but there's a, again there's a reason that we're doing this and and i've i've heard people say oh why would i why would I get my kid into the trades when he can make as much money, you know, on TikTok or on Instagram or, or, you know, doing something, selling online or whatever it is. But people make money in these trades and there's a lot of different ways to make money. And this is this is another way to make money. And I think you can make money in any blue collar uh, trade and also just any like uh, business. Uh, give you an example. It's not really I don't know if you call it blue collar. Well, it's not trades. It's blue collar. Um I told my stepkids, uh, um, I'm on my second marriage, second round of kids, and I told my stepkids when they were applying to college, like, what do you want to do? What, what do you want the degree for? Yeah. There wasn't always a good answer. Sometimes it was just because everybody was getting a degree. Right. But I said, look, I don't care what you want to do. If you have a business mentality, and not everybody does. Some people, they don't yeah. want to, and that's okay. Yeah. But I said, you could be a hairdresser, but instead of making being excited that you could charge $50 an hour to be a hairdresser, I want you to be excited to learn the business. you got to pay your dues. Nobody's going to hire you to be a manager for right. something you didn't do long enough to know what you're doing. Right. But be a hairdresser that you can command $50 an hour, but eventually you can command another $25 an hour on six more people in yeah. chairs next to you. And that's how you become a millionaire being a hairdresser or being a hot dog vendor or being whatever it is you want to do if you can smartly and safely scale it you're eventually making money beyond your personal limits there's only so many hours in a day even if you're a lawyer and you can make 300 bucks an hour and you could work 60 hours a week or 80 hours a week there's still a cap yeah there's still eventually but if you're a lawyer that's a partner in a firm that owns a hundred or has a hundred lawyers working for you and you're making money in each of them you now have no limit yeah and that's the difference between doing it and scaling it how yeah. long did it take you to learn your numbers when you got into when you got when you when you got out on the road and you left security okay how long did it take you for your for to know your numbers and know where you should be at and where you, you know oh wow because we have it took I'll, I'll say it took me four years to figure out how to do numbers, where we should be at, what we should be charging. It took me four years. Oh, I think I took a lot longer. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, maybe a long, little bit longer for me, too. Uh, maybe. It took longer. I'm sure it took longer for you. I mean, but it, it took you four years to get organized. With yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. It took me about. I, I still find it the hardest thing. I still have self-doubt every time I submit a big proposal. Yeah. So every time I'm bidding a job to, to do a $500,000 addition on a home, I have self-doubt, and I shouldn't because I'm doing it the way I really think is correct based on experience, based on things, but I send it out and I go, you know, in a $500,000 job, people are going to get bids that are way up here and way down here, and I'm looking to be right. what I call the sweet spot in the middle yeah. because usually the guy that's way up here didn't even take the time to do the estimate. Yeah. 
they just were swinging for like they're like I don't really care if I get this job if I charge three hundred dollars a square foot no matter what they pick I don't even have to count two by fours or light switches yeah, or plumbing yeah, fixtures yeah. I'm going to be covered so you want to wipe that guy off the guy that's down here might have been me ten years ago who didn't know how to price myself didn't have a lot of experience was happy to get a job bigger than a bathroom remodel so I'm getting an addition for two hundred thousand dollars I think I hit the lottery. But that guy probably didn't bid it right, unfortunately, and didn't learn from experience yet. So He's going to learn on that he's one. He's going to learn on that one. So <laughs> it, you usually try to be in, in, in the middle, but I still have doubt every single time. My favorite thing a customer to do for me, and I've had a couple really cool ones this year, where I get the Dear John email, because not everybody tells you you're not hired. You just get crickets. Yeah, you get ghosted. Yeah, yeah. But I've had a couple really cool people say, Norm, I want to thank you for your time. I reviewed your proposal. We're going in a different direction. And then sometimes they elaborate and go, your numbers were right on. You were within $10,000 of the other two bidders. We end up going with this guy because of X, Y, Z. And I love that kind of feedback. Yeah. And I'm grateful that somebody, because it takes a little of that self-doubt. I go, good. I, yeah. I was afraid maybe I overbid it or I underbid it. it it's nice to, to get that customer feedback. But no, you're right. I still doubt my own numbers yeah. even today. We have a flat rate program now because we do flat rate service work. And it's easy for us because it's a point and click system. And, you know, we'll talk about, we, we, I think before the show we were talking, kind of talking about a program you, you've been using. Yeah. We use, it's called House Call. Okay. And we upload our pricing. So when we go to a job, it's a point and click thing. Right. We change the kitchen faucet. This is the price. Change kind of the thing. kitchen faucet. Here's an add-on for that kitchen faucet, and it'll automatically tally. It'll automatically tally discounts oh, and all that stuff. It's very simple now. But I even doubt. I will even doubt large jobs, and I'll sit there. And I'll go back. I'm gonna be like, ah, maybe we can trim off a little bit here. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Even when it's all, even when I've taken weeks to set that up, and I know the numbers are on point, I'm still. Ugh, am I right? Am I gonna lose the job? So hard part of my job. Yeah, it's tough. It really it's, is. It's 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 not easy. But you know what? Let's do this. We've been talking for a long time, which is great because it hasn't felt like a long time. Let's take a break. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll discuss whatever we want to discuss. Want to discuss that numbers program for sure. And I kind of want to pick your brain about marketing, like what your perspective from marketing is, like how you okay. approach it, stuff like that. Yeah, I want to hear yours too because uh, that's why I'm here. All right. I don't have much, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an interesting discussion for both of us because maybe I'll learn some things about myself. <laughs> Very good. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks for watching Plum Bums. And uh, come back when we're... <laughs> you get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> By the way, where are you going? Huh? Where are you going? You leaving? Is it not break? <laughs> no, I mean like in general. End I it. cut the audio End off. It. I, I cut the audio off. Quartz Plumbing and Heating for top-rated service in Bergen County, New Jersey. And don't forget to keep treats for Frankie on hand. These are the three most important words in construction. Planning, communication, and execution. HH Remodeling understands that all three concepts must work together, which is why HH remains top-rated and most trusted. Call HH Remodeling today. All right, folks, welcome back to Plum Bums Podcast, the Blue Collar Tradesman Show. 
do that again. All right, folks, welcome back to Plum Bums Podcast, the blue collar show. We need one of those things, you know, the, you the old timey. I need something. That, that's not what it's called, is it? Blue What's those video things show. where they do by chat? They do the oh, chapter. They, they clip. The, yeah. yeah, I have like one. one. Take three. I have one. Yeah, you Plum have Bum, it. Plum Bums Podcast. Bring it out. Take three. <laughs> All right, ready. All right, folks, welcome back to Plum Bums Podcast, the blue collar trade show where we talk about small business and entrepreneurship in this modern day age. Episode sixteen. We're here with Norm Rieger from HH Remodeling. Uh, good first half, man. We've just we discovered a lot about the business, our our uh, perspective, uh, respective uh, trades over here. That's a good talk. Um, we were uh, we were discussing. I think we wanted to get into some branding and marketing. Okay. Because that's become very important to me and Max. We actually we we've made a couple a lot of changes. Actually, we did well. Uniforms are crap right now because they're filthy. But yeah, good uniforms. We went. Uh, Button downs to try to. Well, you know what? My grandfather used to wear a light blue button down every day, okay. collared shirt, and yeah. rolled up the sleeves. I was like, you know what? Let's go that route. It's a good look. And actually, you know what? Let me point this out. Actually, back here, I was going through some old records and I found an old receipt from him. This is a receipt from 1982, a year after I was born. A bill for a toilet flapper, the whole thing. A, the, a toilet flapper, he was there for like an hour and a half and billed out $75. <laughs> But uh, so we, I, we, I kind of wanted to nod to him with the uniforms. Plus, I wanted to do something different than what everyone else was doing. T-shirts with the logo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm still there. I mean, for it's, I've tr- well, not entirely. So my regular field crew guys, uh, I've given them everything over the years. Golf shirts, you know, shirts that look like this with, a, with an embroidered logo on it. We've had zip-ups, quarter zips. Um, they just like hoodies and t-shirts and at the end of the day as long as they're doesn't look ratty i want them to be comfortable so i i let it be i didn't push it hard for uh yeah. you know, service type shirts um but we we've we've done, gone through a couple color schemes to try to you know sort out what what, what, what logo fits us right what, what what scheme fits us but we're, we're still my guys are either t-shirts or, or hoodies mostly yeah now me and my my uh construction manager He's always in a, a golf shirt. It's almost kind of like separates him from management. The customers know they're talking to the the guy who's in charge. He's in a golf shirt with an embroidered logo. You know, he he's driving a different truck. He's driving a pickup where the rest of the guys are driving a van. You know, he's not carrying racks with, right. with ladders. Um, so the the branding actually also designates the hierarchy. It makes people feel like they're getting a supervisor with the with the with the team. So it, that that part of it helps. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I mean, I tried to figure out something. It was kind of like a a joint idea here to try to fi- to try to separate ourselves from you know from the pack. We got to figure something out for summer though, because these are not easy in the summer. No, <laughs> I said just a polo, like a polo, but I guess, but it, it it looks better. And why I why I say it too is like I've been to I've been to factories like um, manufacturing plants. I specifically went to Ford when I had a Ford pickup truck. I went to Dearborn, Michigan. And I wanted to see how the truck was made because they still make the F-150s over there. So you went to tour the Ford factory just to see how the truck was made? Well, I have, family out, no, I, I have family out in Michigan. And while I was while I was there, I had an F-150 and I was like, I do want to see. I'm not keeping him busy enough. <laughs> no, this is, this is before I even worked with you. Well, still. And um, so I went to go see the factory. The tour, I, I went on a, you can take a tour of it. And I'm looking around and... Like nobody, it looks so sloppy there, and 
like I saw cut off shorts, cut off t shirts, like nobody looked nobody was wearing anything Ford. And I was like, This is why everybody's buying Japanese vehicles. <laughs> okay? Is because if because I went I, I I Googled, I YouTubed uh like a Toyota manufacturing plant and everybody is all the workers are in like Button-down shirts, shirts. white-collar shirts, all in button-down shirts. Everything is organized. Now, listen, they're making a video of how the factory looks and everything like that, so it's probably more proper. But still, the mentality of everybody is dressed well, dressed professionally, and they take pride in everything that they wear says Toyota on it, you know? If anybody tells you it doesn't matter, they're wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. First impressions matter to customers without a doubt. Yep. Look, I, I hired an HVAC contractor, and I'm not going to name names because I still have a relationship with the guy, and I think he runs a halfway decent business. But I had a service call just for a tune-up on my condensers, like, 8 in the morning. I was the first stop. The guy showed up in ripped clothes covered in dirt and grease. Yeah, I know he, I was his first stop. You know, if he was, like, under a you know yeah. a service call, under a boiler or something right. before he came right. in, you, you get it. But this is how this is what the guy grabbed out of the pile on the floor and put on oh. to come to the first job of the day, and it was a service call job. It wasn't a dirty job. It was come, you know, air out the condenser, yep. and, you know, check check the check the levels. He not, showed it, me not guy, cool. He pointed me out a guy. He pointed out a guy on a job site that we were on. He goes, "Do you see that guy's toe sticking out of his shoe? His toe sticking out of his, his big toe <laughs> is sticking out of his shoe. <laughs> we actually use this guy's like a roofing savant. Okay, and he shows up. He shows up. I snapped a picture while I was talking to him. I was pretending I was texting, and I just snapped a picture of his just big toe just sticking out. I had to. I needed it. I needed this picture. I'm like, dude, look at this. Look at this guy. And he was, the collar was so stretched down. Like he turned, and like his nipple was sticking out of his collar. It was ridiculous. But he's such a good worker. But you're right. It doesn't matter because if you look like that, customers are going to be like, don't bring that guy back to my house. You know what I mean? And it looks bad on you, especially you as a GC. Uh-huh. And if I refer an electrician or whoever, and if, they don't, if they're not wearing booties in the house or something, we get kicked back from that. Uh-huh. 100%. You know? So for us, that's very important. Sure. You know? Quality control of the people in the house. Um, you know, I've gotten feedback of people. Look, I don't care what your habits are, whether you smoke, whether you, uh, you, know, you, 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 uh, you know, you drink a lot of iced tea and Gatorade or whatever it is. But if you leave that stuff laying around the job yeah. site, people's house, that's not cool. No. We're you actually know? talking about iced you tea know, and Gatorade. Police your area. I was in the Army, too, by the way. So, like, that was the thing. We Police your area. That, that's what you had. Oh, you do. were? Yeah. What branch? Army. Just oh, regular, army. regular Army. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Oh, how long ago was that? I joined when I was 17. Did and, you really? Yeah, but I um I was only in for two years and then did um some National Guard Reserve stuff after that, and uh, it's kind of carried through. My daughter's presently in the army. My son uh, just got out of the guard after six years. My brother was the army. My father was Special Forces Green Beret wow. Army. My nephew's now in the army. So you know, we're not like career people. We're like we're in for forty yeah, years kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But everybody's dabbled in it, and almost everybody in my family went to the same branch, not because of any type of pressure it's just right it all just happened this is what it is it is what it is a lot of my family did the air force a couple marines marines and air force it's all good stuff man yeah it's good i mean it follows you around like what you learn there it it, it kind of kicks it, your butt it, as you go through life if you're the right type of person it builds character yeah yeah, but I don't like when you call everybody in the trades or everyone in the first responders a hero either. And I know this is like, I don't want oh to sound gosh, political. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. But, but like, I was in the Army. I was in, I was in a swatch of 10,000 people. And it is a 
it is a a slice of society. So yeah. you got jerks, you got people who aren't so nice. Yeah. And I'm trying not to use curse words. We, but it's a slice of society. But for a, a majority of it, it does build your character. Yeah, it doesn't fix character defects, but it builds. That's a good char- point. Yeah. It builds your character. You know, every first responder isn't a hero. I think you have to do a heroic <laughs> act to be a hero. Just just because just because you ride in the ambulance, you're not necessarily a Fair hero. Enough. Yeah. But when you save somebody, you are. You know, so yeah. I, I, I think the word hero gets diminished because it's thrown around too much. I and agree. I have no idea how I got on this topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't either. Hey, listen, this is a free range podcast. Yeah, we, we don't went, stick we went to. We kind of off from uniforms yeah. to hating the word hero. 100%. We were talking about branding, and here we are. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, so you can regroup. Uh, no, that's that's so funny that we talk about that all the time. Like, I've, I've known guys who have driven ambulances, and they're the biggest scumbags in the world. Like,. And I, I don't want to go into detail, but I'll tell you off air. But okay. you're right. You're right. I mean, listen, the work is hard. I get it. You know, and you're, you're in some dangerous situations, but they're not all heroes. We're not all heroes. I mean, we work. When the pan- we protect the, the pan- lives of a nation. Let's be honest. Plumbers. I do say that all the time, that <laughs> the plumber protects the health of a nation, specifically quartz plumbing. Well, I think so, too. But it is true. By the way, I mean, you know how the Black Plague spread in Europe? It killed a third of Europe. I thought it was rats. Feces. Yeah. Yeah. No sewage. No sewage. No, no, no sewage. No, no, no sanitation. No sanitation. No sanitation. People I would just dump in buckets out in the yeah. street. No, you poop and rats. Plumbing. And all this plumbers stuff. actually save more lives than doctors because of the uh, because of the health maintenance. I, I hope you do. I'm a pretty good salesman. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. Yeah, but I'm going by filtration <laughs> systems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so when you took over. How important was branding? How important was marketing? How important was consistency? Or did that kind of have to take root? Or did now, you get into it? What do you mean consistency and what? So, okay. So, as minute, what I mean in consistency is like, when I do reels for okay. Quartz Plumbing, yeah, the logo is in the corner, the same corner of the reel, same size every time, same coloring, same same captioning, animation, everything same, similar. So every time I put out a reel, it's consistent in its look. It's consistent in its color scheme, everything. I mean, that sounds like something they would teach you in a marketing school. Like it sounds I didn't like, go to school for it. No, but I mean it's but it makes sense to me. I, yeah. I I didn't read that, but when you're telling it to me, I go, Wow, I'm starting to think about my own stuff. Do am I that consistent? I don't know that I am. That's what I try to do. And and it could be because, I don't. I don't want to say OCD because I'm definitely not OCD. I mean, it. There's. It looks great back here, but if you look behind the set, it's it's just a mess. <laughs> have... It's what you know. What, you call, what we call it an artistic mindset. His life is a mess, but what you see is. You know, you're you're cruel. <laughs> you're a cruel person. <laughs> he gets these little comments that he knows that'll yeah. just dig into my side and my kidney and just twist. And he can't do anything because we're on camera. And we're on camera. <laughs> anyway. But that's that's what I mean with consistency as far as me with marketing. No, it's probably super important, but I got to be honest, like I probably didn't pay enough attention to that. I think I think as my marketing happened, I was more about branding, I was more about a look and a feel that I wanted to be perceived by customers as yeah, um right. and I kind of approached my marketing uh trying to separate myself from the competition, I hate even use the word competition. People ask me all the time if I can't do a job, do you, can you recommend somebody who can? And I don't know any of my competition, but I don't even refer to them as competition. I just don't know other guys that do what I do. Yeah. Certainly not somebody I can put my name behind. Right. Um, but I wanted to be perceived as 
an expert in my field, a good communicator, a likable individual. Um, th these were things that I wanted to promote, and that's the, the the face of the company that I wanted people to see. So I was very focused on that, uh, I, and I, you know, with the trial and error, we kind of found, found what works, and we're still learning. We're still learning and trying new things all the time. So yeah. you're, it, you you really dug into your image at first. Image was important. Yeah. Yes. Well, it started because when we started getting good feedback from customers when I was growing the business, nobody ever said, hey, Norm, it's because you guys hang that cabinet better than anybody else. It wasn't because, oh, wow, your crown molding comes together with no caulk in it. Well, it does, but that, <laughs> that's, that, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, I was so appreciative that you were so communicative. You told us every week what was going to happen. You told us if you weren't coming. You told us if you were coming late. You gave oh, us a schedule. Huge. You, you never, I said, my, I always told people, I never want you to have to call me to say, where am I, or yeah. where's my guy, or where's my plumber, or where's my roofer, because I'm going to tell you, Monday we're doing this, Tuesday there's inspection, Wednesday nobody's going to be at your job because we couldn't get a, a framing inspection until Thursday, or um, the plumber's coming Thursday, but I, I text you Thursday morning and say, plumber had a service call, I had to go take care of a water heater, it failed, he's coming at two. Yeah. So I think the comments we started getting was about communication, about cleanliness. I had this guy, Melvin, who still happens to this day, is my longest employee. No matter what, he's a very skilled carpenter, brilliant spackler, so he's not a laborer, but this guy cleans like nobody's business. He works his way out of a house, scraping the carpet with, with, a, with a spackle knife and vacuuming like, Wow. Even after he pulls up the drop cloths and you know shakes everything out outside, and then as we grew and had a little bit of money, we started buying air scrubbers. We put a HEPA filter air scrubber on every job now, during demolition, during drywall, during everything. We, cleanliness we, is huge. So cleanliness and communication are the two things that we started stamping our brand. Yeah. And I wanted to ring that bell for people because. The bar was set so low, you didn't have to be yeah. a superstar to shine. No, you're right. You just had to do the right thing. That's actually, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's, we get all the time, customers will call. So, have you ever talked to my office, Nancy? Yeah. Yeah. So, she'll, that's my aunt. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So, she's, customers will say all the time, I can't believe you called us back. You're the fifth plumber we've called. No one's calling us back. They're not showing up. They're not communicating. And Nancy, Nancy, and this is not a bad habit, over-communicates, which is fine. And customers even, even, even are more appreciative of that than anything. Even preparing for this podcast, Nancy was constantly communicating with yeah. me. We had to change some dates. We had some conflicts. But she was on top of it. If she runs your business like that, you're winning. That's huge <laughs> for people. That's great. That's yeah. huge for people. And because we hear that all the time. This contractor never showed up. They came here. They did this. They never came back. They can't find them. Yada yada. And that, that seems to be like not a so much of a common thread, but we hear it a lot. You know, and I, if, I think it happens a lot, but I also think it's also become people just buy into that perception now because they hear the story so much that now they think it's true, even if they've never experienced it. So they're expecting oh. contractors not to return their calls. Yeah. I mean, it happens quite a bit, but I think the reputation is just out there it's just you, running wild do you have an office person or do you handle all that stuff um i do i have a bookkeeper but as far as answering the phones it's me okay is it really yeah well i don't see i'm not doing service calls so i don't okay. have to i'm returning voicemails I, fair enough okay i'm returning emails i'm not like grab i mean i grab a call if i see it coming through but yeah. my phone's been on silence since 2017 Good for I, you. It just does, I just can't have the What's ring around like? anymore <laughs> <laughs> tell me what that's like it, it allows for a little bit of peace <laughs> Holy smoke. I can't put my phone on silent. We went on, I went on a camping trip. Oh, this is a nightmare. 
<laughs> I, this is, I wanted to quit like three weeks ago. I said, I've had it. I'm going to go work at Walmart and just greet people like at the three door. three hours ago. Huh? You want to say three three weeks ago? It was like three hours ago. Three weeks ago. Like, you're on a campus. <laughs> so service, you're right, is totally different than what you do. Yeah. Because the phone always has to be on. There's always something going on. And we had, I was in Gettysburg in this, and we had just put in a, like a pump, the sewer pump system, and it failed on like late Saturday night. And I was camping oh. with some buddies, and I drove. I'm like, guys, we can't do what we had to plan tomorrow. I have to go back home. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, I'll reimburse you the tickets we bought for the tour we're supposed to take. Oh, that's and I had to, we had, I had, you have to eat it. You know what I mean? And I'm hoping we get to one point where, I mean, listen, Max, I was out sick for like almost for most of this past week. Okay. And, you know, I, I, at least I have somebody that can handle the field. So I watch a lot of, um, entrepreneur YouTube channels and stuff. And they always ask, can your business function without you? Mm -hmm. Thankfully, it kind of can. Mm -hmm. You know, I would like to get to a point where it Talk can about without him, where he can start going out and running estimates where he's not under sinks all the time and then branching out. I know like what that. you're talking about. I think I remember the first year that I was able to go on vacation without shutting the company. Because in the beginning, when I did want to, first I didn't take vacations. And then eventually, when I could take a vacation, I only had one or two employees maybe at the time, two max. And I was like, guys, this week in July, we're shutting down. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you get a week's vacation whether you like it or not. But I think there was a whole new breath of life into me when I could shut the company, when I, I could go on vacation and somebody was running it yeah. trustfully, you know, in a, in a trustful manner uh, yeah. th like I would do. And that's, the, you'll, you'll, you'll love it when you get there. It's hard to find good help nowadays, though. It really is. Everyone has a help wanted sign in their door. I don't know where all these people are getting their money from. Like, where is it? Don't, don't you guys need jobs? Where are <laughs> I, I would love two, two, two more guys in the field. I would take them right now. We actually, so my uncle works for Dumont School System, and they have a, um, a tradesman program, and there's one kid that signed up for it. Oh. And he signed up for plumbing. So he's going to actually apprentice with us. He's going to start next week, which I'm pumped about. That's really cool. Because I, I would like, my whole goal was, so there's a house that was for sale. Somebody bought it. But four or five years ago, it was for sale, like right behind the shop. And I wanted to buy the house and bring guys from the Midwest who are looking for work and have them post up and train them. If you want to be a, you should be a plumber. We'll train you. I don't care if you're green. We'll train you. Instead of taking like the seasoned guys who are already in their habits, I'm jaded and jaded and pissed <laughs> off and don't want to answer to a younger guy. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I want to, I prefer to bring in someone who doesn't know anything, but who's eager to work, mm -hmm. and train him with the good quartz plumbing habits that we want to that we want to, you know, promote in somebody, and bring them up that way as opposed to bringing up a seasoned guy. Now, I'm not saying it's not beneficial to not bring in a to to bring in a seasoned guy. Of course, to have that knowledge and give throw him in an extra truck and have him make money for you, but the whole thing is payroll right at the front. Mm -hmm. And you said the transition period. You have to take a step back financially, uh -huh. and there's always that, and then you get nervous with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh -huh. 100%. So I'm at the point where we're ready to explode, but I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. It's a big step. My uncle had four trucks, almost five trucks at one point, and 2008 had hit. And he's still reeling from that. Like It, it wiped him out completely, down to one, wow. within a couple months. He had a bunch of real estate, and the tenants just stopped paying. They just stopped paying rent. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. So he, 
I didn't experience that, but coming into the business and learning from him, I'm kind of picking that up. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm so shy I'm, of that yeah. Too. So you're, there's always apprehension and like nerves about growing and stuff, which I'm, I'm pretty much at, but you kind of got to bite the bullet and do it. It's scary. Yeah, it, it, it is. And you know, I found the thing that I did right most of the time. Look, I went through a lot of hiring people that didn't work out. But the reason why I have such a good team now is the ones that did work out, I overpaid. And and I, I overpay people as a habit now. Well, I guess people are going to see my trick. Um, so give you an example. I had a guy come interview for me back in January. He was just applying for a laborer job. And I had in my head what I wanted to pay for this job. I, yeah. I knew I was going to pay X. Um, I, th I think at the time I was going to pay like uh, $22 an hour. It sounds high for labor, but in the market that we are in right now, it really is realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, for semi-skilled laborer, you know. And the kid came to me and he was, you know, seemed like a really eager guy. He's working for me now and interested in a job. And I said, so, you know, how much you got to make? I go, I know it sounds like a trick question, but, you know, what do you need? What were you making before? He's like, well, I was making, um, you know, $19 an hour and I, I was hoping to get close to that if I could. And I said, okay, I'm going to pay 22 And... I could have paid him twenty. I could have paid him nineteen fifty. Yeah. I paid him twenty two, because here's how the here's how I did the math in my head. For that three bucks an hour, that technically I I could have got away with not paying. The job was worth that to me in my yeah. head. What he was going to do, for the three bucks times forty hours a week, so one hundred and twenty plus payroll taxes, for the extra six hundred dollars a month. This guy became the most loyal employee yeah. that I had because. I gave him what I thought he was worth, not what he was willing to accept to settle. Yeah, I got you. And it was just a different vibe. Now, I don't always do that from everybody on the get-go. This particular guy had a good feeling on the get-go, and I thought he was undervaluing himself. But when I get somebody that I bring in the door under like a probationary rate or uh, somebody that I have no idea are going to work out, when I, when I realize, oh, wow, this is a keeper, I want to make it so anything on Indeed or Craigslist does not appeal to them anymore. Right. So then I, I, I try to I try to give raises very quickly and sometimes in the first year multiple raises because I don't want to start anybody too high, but I also don't want to lose somebody who I found after what I've been through. When you find a good one, you know that's both loyal, honest, trustworthy. Everybody in my company right, has let's a change the subject. He's Amex. sitting right there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm glancing at you, but I'm really looking at him as this conversation is going on. So, so, but that, but that's that's kind of what's been successful for me is, is developing this, this solid core of guys. Is I've been through a lot of jerks. I've been through people who said they could do it. I'm a carpenter, but uh -huh. I can't do crown molding. Or I'm a carpenter, but I didn't really do kitchen cabinets. So everybody can say they're you a know, carpenter. Uh, but when I find somebody that really is one of the guys working for me, young kid, early 20s, he applied to be a carpenter. And I was like, okay. He didn't have a ton of experience. He showed up at the job on the first day, and I don't know if you guys would appreciate this. He brought his own glue and sandpaper in his pockets because when I told him to start mitering the, the door casing, he would cut the joint, sand it, spot glue it, wow. join it, and put it up. He was a carpenter. He wasn't a laborer. So I said, where did you learn this? His father and his brother were carpenters. So, But when you find somebody like that, yeah. you keep them. Yeah. And, and, you, and you, you compensate them, even if it means taking a small hit in the beginning because that hit's going to pay you tenfold yeah, because pretty you're soon right. you're dispatching this guy and he's making you money. Yeah, I agree. So that's it, look, it doesn't always work. Yeah. But, but over time, it works. Yeah, well, no, I agree. I think it's, it, I think it's funny that, that 
the the aspects the the characteristics that you highlighted more so than being a skilled laborer like a skilled worker is like loyalty and and communication and honesty is because you find that more valuable than even a really high end high quality worker right because my goal like i said i i i keep going back to it but you're hired max <laughs> no no younger <laughs> <Go> guys <forward. laughs> Younger guys getting into the trades, I feel like in their mind, if they don't have the skill, if they don't, if they feel like they don't have, like they, they think that what they have to offer is their skill. And it's, that's not true. It's what you're saying is that if you're loyal, if you're hardworking, if you're willing to show up to the job, if you're willing to, you know, be clean and willing to be loyal to, to your employer, it's just as value, if, valuable, if not more valuable than being a skilled laborer. Character is so much more valuable to me. Yeah. On time is late. I'm not going to dock your pay for being on time, but my guys show up about 10 to 15 minutes early to the job, and I don't pay them for that. Like, they're getting paid hourly, but they do that. But also, at the same time, they could take an hour, they could take a half hour for lunch if they want to. Half of the guys sit down and eat a sandwich in 10 minutes and jump right back into it. Not because I tell them to. That's the culture that they, they've, they've come to. But at the same time, if somebody says, Norm, I got to leave at 2.30 today, my kids' recital, I don't dock their pay right. because they're, they're, they're giving me way more than I'm giving them. They really are. So I got a good core group, and it's about character. It's about integrity. It's about honesty. You know, I, I told um, one of my guys got into an accident with one of the trucks once, and he lied about it. And I had to pull up some camera footage to find out oh. that he didn't get hit by accident. But this is a real guy that I really liked and respected. And it was the first. So I said to him, I kind of I had a little blow up. Is he a younger guy? Younger than me, but not really young. Okay. Um, I smashed the truck when I found out standing it, and he, he just to get his attention. I said, "See this? I could fix this. This is metal. I could fix metal. If I don't trust you anymore, I can't fix that. If you lie to me, I can't fix that. So we're gonna get past this. Don't ever lie to me because whatever it is, I could fix it. I could throw money at it. Am I gonna be happy? No. But I gotta be able to trust you." It's more important that you tell me the truth than if you break something, and, yeah. and, and it's, it's back to character. Yeah. Well, that's at the pool place. I learned a lot with that as an employee, and we talked about this. Uh, I went through a lot. Listen, I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. Pool guys are, <laughs> first of all, they don't work all winter. They all go on unemployment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like the bottom of the trades okay <laughs> it's not the cream of the crop a lot of drug addicts a right. lot of alcoholics okay. a lot of a lot of just li- so i don't know any so i i would say me. think of a roofer but <laughs> times sp- 10 pool guys and sprinkler guys okay <laughs> you know? yeah, sp- i've seen sprinkler guys right. yeah okay I, I, so I know, okay. exactly you know what i'm saying i know what you're talking about i would say pool like if you want to dip if you want to get your feet wet into the trades which I did. I was actually bartending and waiting tables before I did the whole pool thing. Pools is the way to go because... Excuse me. <coughs> You're good. Because it's not difficult work. You get all your certifications right there. Um, oh, my God. You're still recovering. It's okay. No, you, it's... You, you need something to drink? I'm good. It's good to dip your feet wet there because... You're in. You're tossed into the barrel with a whole bunch of other schmucks. So with pools, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Coming out the restaurant and bartending business, you know, it's 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 party time. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're you're working till three four in the morning. You're sleeping till four o'clock in the afternoon. So I had to make a transition, and it was 
it, it was a learning curve because I wasn't in. I had a, I had a ways to go. Luckily, I was in a good company with a boss that cared. He was willing to train, and I. A lot of guys put him through hell. You know what I mean? Okay. And it's. I'm glad I was able to get all that out there, and kind of mature, because to be honest, if my uncle had offered me this job 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been ready for it. But if you can find young people to come up and step in, and like that kid with the with the sandpaper and glue in his pocket, yeah, I mean that's huge, huge. and that's so hard to find. Yeah, and you know? I, but you got to remember, it, it's it's I had to go through a lot of people till you get to that one. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's that's the hard part about being the business owner. Is there's a lot of failures in employee in human resources because you don't know. Yeah, it's really hard. It's How many a, guys do you have working for you? Um, you said you have six trucks, right? Yeah, and everybody has a truck. So it's, uh, I have six empl- six employees that are on the road, and then a, a back of the house employee, and then a bookkeeper. So, what would you say your specialty is? My company specialty? Yeah. Flooring, cabinets. Nah, or, I no, I mean, I I think our specialty has become the big the big one, the the, the full blown renovation. We do a renovation that involves multiple trades better than anybody else. Oh wow! So if addition or a full house gut or an expansion, or say you're blowing out your existing dining room, living room, and kitchen, and you want to do an open floor plan and get rid of the beams and do the, and whatever, it's going to require HVAC, you want skylights in the roof. We may have to expand the house and put some footings in and make a crawl space. We do home expansions, I think, better than most people. Let me ask you this. Do you put jacuzzi tubs in? We can, but we don't really you don't get do, cool. You don't do that Most often? Most people ask, them, ask me to pull them out. I'm pulling, I know, I'm pulling I know. a ton out. Every house flip we do, every McMansion that we do, there's a jacuzzi tub with no access panel to the freaking faucet. That oh. fails two years into it. And I always, wanted to, I always want to ask a contractor, why don't you give us an access panel by the faucet? There's an access panel all the way on the other side of the jacuzzi. By the motor. Yeah, by the motor. Yeah, but there's no way to f- change out the faucet, which breaks down all no. the time. And if they got marble tile on the wall oh, and on the tub deck, that you know, drives me up a wall. I don't blame you. Let me ask you another question. Shoot, what's the minimum you'll make a crawl space? The minimum height. Height? Yeah. I always try to go for 32 inches at the minimum. You're hired, man. You're, well, I'm, I'm putting you on. 30 inches. I'm giving you to every. Customer. 32 inches from the bottom of the floor joist to the top of the rat slab. I got to send in Frankie to glue pipe sometime. Because <laughs> no, neither of us can fit in there. The, the one he sent me into recently, the one that I, I was in recently, was the sewage leak inside somebody's house. Remember, they, they did a renovation, and there was just sewage oh. water leaking into the into the crawl space. And so the crawl space starts off probably like 32 inches, and it as you get closer to the problem, it goes like this. Yeah. And it starts to... Why? Because of piping down. or because of the actual crawl space? Piping, no, the crawl venting, space. and the, no, no, and the, the floor. Space. And the floor, the, the floor. way they poured the floor. Oh, It was so a good. nightmare. It was this house's every... I, I feel so bad for it these It went people. from 32 inches to this. And I'm like, yeah, I can just get my head into the area where oh, the Oh, see, pipe... I'd be claustrophobic. I could <laughs> I, I could never been one of those uh, the tunnel rats in the... In, in the you know, that's not me. I have... I mean, it takes... I, I got to do crawl spaces every once in a while. And I, you have to get... You have to gear yourself up for it. Yeah. What's, what, what's like a... Uh, what's a good horror story that you have? Horror story. Or <laughs> what's a, what's like <laughs> one of the worst experiences? But when you first started, even in security, like 
Oh, well, it's, the security industry was retail security for, for clarification. I don't know people where we where they came in on this. So it was retail loss prevention security. Um, there were, I don't know about horror stories. Like shoplifters was always a handful because back then you were allowed to catch shoplifters. Now everybody's so liable of being about? sued and everything, and everybody rights. You know, especially like California, it's allowed oh. to steal. But um, you know. There was there was time where there was a lot of tackling and and fighting going on for shoplifters wow. back in the day, uh, so that was that was always interesting. And then internal theft was a whole nother level because mo- most people don't realize is in in retail the difference between the profit you're supposed to have and the profit you have at the end of the year is called shrinkage, and the shrinkage is usually thirty to forty percent external factors and sixty percent internal theft. So if you're a sports authority and you have a 60%? 60% and you have a four, well, think about it. Shoplifters come into your store once in a while and employees there 40 hours a They're week. All the, all, and oh, once yeah. they get over that adrenaline, like the first time you steal, the first time that you grab that pager back in the day or you grab that money and you put it in your pocket, you're freaking out. You're, 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 your hair standing on the back of your head. You might not even sleep that night waiting for the phone to ring. You're freaking out. After you do it two or three times, it, you become comfortable. It becomes normal. Wow. And then you figure out how to do more and more and more. So a good interrogator or investigator could sit down with that person across from the desk not knowing what they've done. My best success story, I think one of the ones that got me noticed, yeah. was I got a call. I was living in Rhode Island at the time. I had a call from, this is why I said the word pager, uh, subliminally, <laughs> I guess. I got a call from somebody <laughs> in Manchester, Connecticut, that they saw a kid steal a double A battery, put it in his pocket, or put it in his pager. That's what it was. Okay. So I had to respond. It was still internal theft. Internal theft is internal theft. So I had to respond. Now, I was trained to go through a process of, of the interview. I had, I had to go through this routine that I would do, same every time, whether I knew something or not. At the end of the interview, I had a $13,000 confession in oh writing God. and seven other people implicated in a refund scam <laughs> that, to- that totaled like $40,000, $50,000. From a battery. From a battery lead. It's because I did the job consistently <laughs> the same way every time. Somebody that worked there? Somebody, yeah. So like a cashier or like a clerk. You know, Holy so, so, cow. So, so, that, so internal theft was 60% of most retail companies' losses. That's why they paid professionals yeah. To, yeah. To, to do that. And that's why we got trained to do what we do. I could read somebody's neurolinguistics to see if they were creating a lie or telling the truth. I could... Did you learn that in the military? No, that was all through uh, retail. Military, I wasn't in military uh, <laughs> uh, intelligence. <laughs> I always found that stuff fascinating, reading body language it's and stuff. It's really cool. It is cool. We used to train on this exercise to see if we were good. I would tell you, I'd say, Phil, write a number between three and nine in a piece of paper and stick it in your pocket. And you go, okay. This is what we used to practice on each other. And I go, now I'm going to ask you the numbers from one to ten. Is it in your pocket? I'm going to say, Phil, is the number one in your pocket? And I want you to say no every single time. Okay. So now when I would do that, I know that one and two and 10 aren't in your pocket because I told you to write a number from three to nine. So those are like my controls. So if I get good enough of reading your body language, your blink rates, your respiratory rates, when you itch, when you scratch, when you shift, I'll know when I get, Phil, is the number six in your pocket and you say no, and I'll go right up to 10 and I'll go, it was six. And you pull out the piece of paper and hopefully it's six. That's how we used to practice. Because How good are you at that? I used to be really good. I He's like, I'm flawless. It. I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> but anyway, oh, man, I would, love to, I would love to try that. It was, it was an interesting uh, industry to get into because people take different postures when they're protecting themselves. Yeah. You know, your stomach, your abdomen is, is your only soft spot in your body. The rest you have skeleton. Mm-hmm. So naturally, when we're uncomfortable or we want to flee or we want to protect ourselves, we protect our abdomen. 
So people that are usually lying usually have a knee pretty high or their arms crossed. They're protecting their abdomen I do when, it they're, when, I'm when fat. they're being dishonest. Or, yeah, what or, if you're or, overweight? Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> super uncomfortable. <laughs> so, sorry, Frankie. What are you barking at? There's no one there. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. No, but, I but, love but, this. But this that is was, fascinating. That, that, that was cool stuff that we got to do. We got trained in. We got trained in how, uh, you know, the runner stance. You know, so if somebody's, you know, they're talking to you like this, they want to get the hell out of there. Like the, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. the way you sit and the way you, oh, wow. the way you react. I've and, seen those police and, and then interrogation when somebody, videos. Then when somebody, if I'm doing my job, like that battery guy, when I start off talking to them, they're in a protective posture. They're in a closed posture. They don't want to talk to me. They want to get out of there. If I do my job right, at some point, I'm going to watch them go into physical submission. At some point, the shoulders slump. They've given up internally. Uh-huh. I see it. I see the switch. And now I know to ask what's called the assumptive question. The assumptive question always has to be able to be answered in the word no. So I would say to you, Phil, what was the first day you ever took money out of safe? It wasn't the very first day you started, was it? And you say no. That no was your confession because it's easier for the human body to say no than say yes. Oh, wow. So I want to be able to present you with a question that you had to answer that would admit guilt, but you can answer with the word no. So, Phil, what was the most you took in one day? It wasn't as much as $10,000, was it? And you go, no, of course not. I didn't think so. My investigation didn't show that it was that much. <laughs> <laughs> so that, 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 that was part of this training that we went through, and that's how I moved up the ranks. Don't um, ask me those questions. A, a shoplifter catcher to being a vice president. <laughs> Listen, I, oh, you play poker, right? You said you play poker. I play poker. Uh, uh, well, you're p- unbelievable. I mean, what a skill to have with poker. It, it has to come in handy. It helps. It helps with reading a lot of neurolinguistics, blink rates, you know, body reactions. Also, people, especially if you play in tournaments that aren't like really professional tournaments. Like I'll, I play for this company around here called Mike's Poker Tables. They yeah. do a lot of events at like firehouses or fundraisers. Yeah. So the group of people that are at these tournaments are regular guys like right. you and me, and some people that are regulars on the circuit, but very few sharks. So when people aren't protecting their tells, like professional poker players, they shine. You, 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 you yeah. can see. I used, I used, me and my buddies used to play poker for 15 years every Thursday and just hang out and play poker and then, and then play at those events and go to, and, you know. Fun. And if I had those skills, man, because I'm not a great poker player. I've, I've had some crazy games. And, you know, I've, won, I've won a lot of money, but I've lost a lot of money too. But what a skill to have. I mean, we, just, we hit the casino on the way back. I got destroyed. He didn't. Where'd you go? Which one? We stopped at one in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. Nice little casino, clean, small. You know, it's no AC. I got to be honest, AC to me, like, I get anxiety driving over that, that freeway at this point going to AC. It's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> like, it's just so much. And, like, you feel filthy when you're leaving, you know, whether you're up or down. Yeah. You just feel like, like I feel like you uh, did something wrong. You feel dirty, you yeah, feel naughty. Yeah. yeah, the little casinos out in PA where you drive up and they're on beautiful properties. I mean, we drove up. What was it, Hollywood Casino? Hollywood. I don't yeah. know of it. Hollywood. There, so yeah, no. they're great. They're tiny. They're small. The the um, the they're dealers clean. are nice. They're friendly. Yeah. The people are nice and friendly. I've been the one. I think Mount Airy is the one I've Mount been. Mount yeah. close here. Yeah. Well, the one we went to was on this beautiful field and like in between these hills is gorgeous. And you go to AC and you're overlooking like the slums. Yeah. You know. Even the beach is gross. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah. It's just. It's I like, sat down at a poker table at, at um, in AC once when I was feeling when I was feeling good, and I'm not a good poker player. But the animals that sit down at oh, those yeah. tables, they get so angry. Like, it's their life. Their life depends on these games. Yeah. And I'm just trying to, like, have a good time. Like, I'm willing to lose a certain amount of money, and I know that I'm probably going to lose it because everybody here is better than me. <laughs> but 
like you 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 take the wrong hand or you make the wrong call or whatever it is like if you're just there to have a good time they will eat you alive well it's, it's funny i don't play poker casinos anymore no yeah. well i don't enjoy the grind oh yeah because to really make money at poker which i probably could if i sat there for five hours often is it's a grind whereas if i go to a casino which isn't often i want the adrenaline rush of a potential right. big jackpot i want to get a, a royal flush in in three card poker i want to hit something on a slot you know that that's what i if i do go to a casino i i rather risk some money for the, for the big win yeah. me grinding out to win 400 bucks over six hours yeah doesn't do it for me <laughs> um, and and I, but your point that's why i don't play blackjack you know i'm sure a lot of people Same everybody thing. plays blackjack I it's the blackjack. only but it's the only poker game or table game that someone else cares what you do yeah um, like if I'm playing roulette, nobody cares what number I put my thing on. If I'm playing three card poker, no one cares if I double my bet or, or play the bonus or not play the bonus. They don't care what I do. But if you play blackjack and you hit when you're not supposed to hit because you want to gamble, they act like you ruined the science. And let it ride. You ever yeah. play let it ride? Yeah, let it ride. I, the first time I played let it ride ever, I sat down. My Me and my buddy went to AC. We were going to a like an outdoor outdoor equipment convention or whatever. Um and we're like, let's stop at AC. I was like, all right. So he goes, I'm, I'm, he goes, I'm going to go down to the table. I'm going to play Let It Ride. I was like, I never played. He's like, just check it out. I was like, okay, I'll be right down. I got to use the bathroom. I'll be right down. So he's playing. He's already like 150 down. I sit down, no idea what to play. Right. And, I, and apparently I sat to the right of one so guy and I cards. stole his straight. And I, I, I a straight. Yes, it was yes. like it was like thirty five 30 to, to one, one yeah. something like that. This dude, I thought he was going to cause the biggest scene. Like he lost his he lost his mind. He was so pissed off. Which is so stupid because like, he could have moved over. If you know there's an empty seat next to you and you're getting dealt first and you're superstitious that you want to be the first guy out of yeah. shoot, you move. Yeah, you know I mean, somebody's no. going to sit there. Yeah. I mean, his, he and you, I, to him, I took his cards. He took his cards. It's the same thing in blackjack, too. Yeah. But I like blackjack because it's quick. Yeah. It's Look, quick. It's, it's, it's a fun game. Yeah. I just don't like to deal with somebody telling me what to do because even in poker. So, like, I go to Texas Hold'em tournaments all the time. Every once in a while, I'll play seven deuce. Seven yeah. deuce is the worst poker hand. But if I got a feeling or whatever, and I – because, you know, you're not supposed to play because the right. odds are it's going to be crap. But once in a while, the board comes out all crap. Yeah, and so if I just have a feeling and the and the ante's low, the blind's low, I'll I'll play around with that. You have no idea how mad people get <laughs> if you end up having a showdown oh, yeah. and you stayed in on a pre flop raise with seven deuce, they'll lose their <laughs> absolutely. Shit. Excuse my language. I've gotten but, into fights over that. <laughs> yeah. We used to play at the pool place all the time. It was big because there was like thirty dudes that worked at this. It's a big company. All right, and we used to sit up every Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, no, for the pool. Pl for my buddies was Thursday. For the pool plays was like Tuesday or Friday or something like that. And I wasn't the greatest when I started there, greatest card player. And I would I would play like six three off suit, and Tommy would and I would like get like three of a kind. Yeah, and he and he's holding he's holding two kings, and he would be so angry. And I'm like, bro, that's how that's like that's what this is. That's how you play. Like you know, you win some, you lose some. Like shut up. You you know your 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 pocket rockets aren't going to always get you something. You know no, what I mean? Everybody, and I love observing people at Texas Hold'em because I don't get mad. I, <laughs> I, I, 
because I love watching. They blame the other guys' cards every time they get knocked yeah. out. Every time. Yeah. I can't believe that guy was in there with Queen 10. I pre-flopped raise on my 18, and they should have folded. So, like, if everybody followed the mechanics, then it wouldn't be gambling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? So I never blame somebody. It, you know, it, it, are you happy when you lose? No. But no. That, but I, I, I don't hold that against anybody. Like, look, you wanted to stay in with 6-3 offsuit. And you you were hoping to catch a four five seven right, for you, right. and it paid off. Yeah, you know my ace king isn't always going to stand up. Did the um, have you noticed that like the body language reading comes in handy as your company's growing and you you got employees and stuff? It does, and I think I do. They know that you can that that no. Do they know that you can now read their mind? <laughs> now they will. <laughs> no. but I'll, I'll tell you what. A skill I learned in life after learning that skill was to ignore my skills sometimes. You, uh, you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to do that to your wife. Yeah. You don't want to do it to your girlfriend. Oh. Yeah. You, you, like, look. And if it's crisis mode, then it comes in handy. Like, you need to find something out. But, look, we all, by human nature, fib, uh, minimize, exaggerate. It's just the way we communicate. Right. We like. We want to be popular. We're not doing it to be malicious. Yeah. It's not always because you stole or cheated or did something bad. So, if you over tune into that, you'll ruin your own life. Yeah. So true. I, I had to learn to just kind of like tune it out. So if I'm in a friendly poker game with a bunch of buddies, sometimes I'm just looking at my cards. I'm not hard watching all six guys and seeing what their tells are. Sometimes I'm just playing. Yeah. Uh, because you could get, you could get overstimulated with knowing too right, much information. Right. Right. I hear you. You got to keep it fun. Yeah. And you got to when you go, you have to say, "I'm playing with this amount, and that's it." Not everybody has that philosophy, but That's it's a good go. one to have. If, you, go, it, you got to think of it as your entertainment. I'm going out to dinner. I'm going to a movie. I was planning on blowing 200 bucks. I'm tonight. willing to lose this. Yeah. Let me ask you I'm if this is fair. So he's doing a water heater tomorrow. Uh oh. Okay. And I go, I go, do it. Let's, let, he go, I go, let's go out to Mount Airy this weekend because I got to go out to PA anyway. Okay. I was like, you know what? Why don't you cut me in on that water heater for 300 bucks and I'll take the 300 bucks and you, know, you let me play at the casino? He goes, all right, I'll, I'll give you the 300 bucks, but anything you win is mine. Go, wait a second. How does that work? No. I, 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 that doesn't work like that, Matt. So, so I'll throw... give you the three hundred I'll give you the three hundred dollars. You can have a good time. If you lose it, you lose it. I don't want it back. But whatever you win is mine. So the reason why I even said that is because my dad, he's got a very he's got a friend who's he's got a he's got a very wealthy great. friend who used to fly him and his friends out to like Vegas or, you know, AC or to different places. Oh, wow. He used to be he used to be into gambling he's not so much anymore yeah and so he would fly his friends out and he used to give his friends a certain amount of money he goes here's you know ten thousand dollars to his friends you play it you enjoy yourself so much money whatever you play whatever you play with it's yours i don't care if you lose it or not have a good time with it whatever you win is mine though See, I don't think it works like that. Yeah, I don't either. But it's like, a free trip. You get to have fun. You gamble okay, well, a little I bit, guess. whatever. No, no, I, you're getting I mean, something you know, else out of it. I yeah, guess a free trip, trip. Okay, you know, I've 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 staked people on like whim bets. Like I like a friend of mine. Uh, she was in uh, Vegas, and I I Venmoed her five hundred bucks. I said, "I want you to go to this ten dollar double diamond slap machine, and I want you to feed that five hundred into it, and I want you to play it with two credit bets." I said. It's on me. Have fun. Whatever, if you hit whatever you hit by the time you're done with that with that 500, you know, going through those spins, um, we split. Yeah. And you know, she didn't win, but she didn't. But, win. but the the deal was we split. There she was didn't the tell you there she was won. the. Incentive. I mean, people have said people have thrown me a hundred bucks. They say put this on like black twenty two or whatever on roulette. Yeah. You know, but like I'm I, I'm not going to keep their winnings. 
Well, that that's a real specific bet. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, but, okay, like, fine. Like, 50 That 50. was their bet. They, they weren't sharing it with you, yeah. I guess. Well, we've really got off topic here. <laughs> that's all right. I figured you know we, were, what? we were kind of wrapping let's, it up let's, anyway. Let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, Norm, thanks for being here. It was, it was very, a lot of fun. Very cool, guys. I, oh. I, hope, I, hope, to, I hope I'm invited back. <laughs> Absolutely. You yeah. got to close off on the tangents. <laughs> no, I, 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 th- that's what people find interesting. You know, they don't. I, I, we've, we were working this out like there's a lot there's a lot of podcasts and YouTube shows that are like we do this and we put these two by fours here and like that's that's great for guys who are in contracting but you want to reach a large people find stories interesting just the BSing and stuff no, and I, you did great I, we, I, 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 had a, I had a blast I enjoyed it thank you guys yeah. and I, I learned a lot from you too especially um, I'm gonna have to go back to, to figure out exactly what you said but the cleanliness and the and the communication, communication is, is key my two biggest yeah Huge. Well, listen, man, thanks for being here. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, can't wait. Yeah. Guys, thanks for watching Plum Bum's podcast. Like, subscribe, share. Get the name out there. Please subscribe and share. We want views, man. We, we got good quality content coming out. We have a lot of good guests coming on. So make sure you stay tuned and catch us here next we week. We need to feed Frankie. Uh, we need to feed Frankie. We need yeah, to- she's wasting away to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but catch us here next week. And thanks for watching. Thank you.